I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing? Good morning, babe. I'm doing well. We're in the studio today and having some fun. We sure are. And we have an amazing guest that we we were able to meet with this morning. Do you guys want to welcome them to the show first and foremost? For sure. I just want to say good morning. At the time that we're recording, Paul Angoni joins us. I'll introduce him in just a second. But Paul, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today, guys. Of course. Absolutely. In today's episode, we're going to dive into a conversation really geared at millennials and Generation Z. So Mm -hmm. if you're leading a ministry, um, this is going to help you be more effective as well as if you're trying to understand this generation of young people today. I think you'll find this to be a helpful resource. And lastly, this is really going to be focused on getting unstuck and owning your defining decade. A little bit about our guest, Paul Angoni, is the best-selling author of a number of books, including his most recent, 25 Lies, 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing, How to Get Unstuck and Own Your Defining Decade. Can I get an amen? That's right. Amen is right. Come on, somebody. Well, obviously is a nationally known keynote speaker, works with uh, colleges, universities, corporations, and companies. He does a lot of organizational consulting and training on millennials and Generation Z. And lastly, he's a frequent speaker on these generations, has done hundreds of episodes like this one. So we're really grateful for your time today, Paul. Would you be willing to just kick off our episode and dive into a little bit about you, maybe some of your, a flyover of your journey of life, maybe faith, leadership with us and our listener today? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a PK, so I'm a pastor's kid. So I grew up Love going it. to school at the church, walking from school to my dad's office at the church and spending, you know, I knew every room, nook and cranny of the church building because I spent more time there than my home. So that was my whole childhood, my whole life. And, uh, but really my, my big struggle, kind of my big faith struggle really happened after college. Wow. It was that transition from college, feeling like I was sure of myself. I knew where I was headed. I kind of had the answers to climbing all those steps, flinging open the doors to the rest of my life and feeling like I had ended up back in the basement and there was a bunch of dark halls and locked doors. And it's like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And that was really that intense season for me, which is why I'm passionate about helping leaders of 20-somethings or 20-somethings themselves, because it is a confusing, hard, ambiguous, intense season that we just don't talk about enough. And that was my story. That's why I'm still doing what I'm doing today. Well, I think that's an incredible wow. um, passion and desire and yes. a well-needed topic to discuss because those 12 years of life, so many things happen. I mean, you could be married, you could be single until you're 30, you could have two, three kids, you could be married, divorced and have kids. You could be, I mean, fill in the blank. Everybody's story is so different in those 12 years and to hone in on the importance of that. And you just came out with a your most recent book, and it's called 25 Lies, 20-somethings Need to Stop Believing, How to Get Unstuck and Own Your Defining Decade. First of all, that is just I attention grabbing right away, like seriously. And this is just a new book. And 
I have not read it, but I really want to lean into this and get a copy. And will you just kind of unpack what if somebody is feeling stuck and they just need to hear the message of that book? They're feeling stuck and they want to live the dream that God has created for them. Where do they start and how do they put their first foot forward more or less? Yeah, you know, first it's it's the realization that you're not alone. You know, I think that's the first big step because I get that email still so much is that I felt so alone in this. And, and usually they're thanking me for opening up the conversation because they felt like they were the only one struggling through what right. do I do now? Right. And, uh, you know, obviously with social media, that has been the big change with our generation and the generations coming up because that really changes the dynamic of this confusing time because it, it looks like everybody has it figured out. Right. When everybody's faking it online, as we all know, but yet it's still blocking this conversation. So we're living in this weird, weird time of full connection while also being fully disconnected and mm -hmm. isolated. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really the first step. And I think that's that kind of like that deep breath moment where you can just take a deep breath and be like, you know what, if you're not achieving your dreams at 25, join the club. <laughs> it would be really, really rare if you are feeling like you're really hitting your sweet spot at 25. It takes time. So that's why I'm constantly trying to remind 20-somethings and leaders that you know success in your 20s is really more about how you're setting the table than it is about enjoying the feast. That's so good. And, you, and you're setting the table and it, you're hopefully doing that with diligence, perseverance, and keeping the hope and the faith as you do it. That is so good. Paul, I love that. Something that you touched on right off the bat, the start of that question was you said your message is join the club. You're not alone. Right. And mm -hmm. one of our favorite pastors um, to listen to is Louis Giglio. Mm -hmm. He leads Passion Generation or Passion Conferences as well as Passion City Church, of course. And one of the things I've heard him share is that, you know, passion has been over 25 years right. reaching college students. And somebody asked him, what is the secret sauce? And he said, well, when you show up into an arena like passion and you begin to worship an almighty God and you've been on your college campus and you feel like I'm the only Christian and you open right. up your eyes, first of all, to the glory of God. And second of all, to 65,000 other young people who yeah. are in your age, they look like you, they're in the same season of life. They're sharing the same struggles. And you realize you have that aha moment. I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the message of young adults today is we want to provide rallying points that are catalytic mm -hmm. for leaders, relationships and conversations, as well as resources. And I think that you also touched on it so well that we really live in a world with social media. This is a huge component, but comparison is so common. Right. Yeah. And you write, actually, I, I caught this and it, it just says that um, with social media comparison, you call it OCD or obsessive comparison disorder. And I just want to ask you and, and lean into this for a second, because I want to know, because I think the listener would like to ask you this question. How can people live lives that are free from the dangerous, slippy slope of the trap of comparison? Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, to put it in perspective, you know, you used to have to go to your like 10 year reunion, right? Mm -hmm. High school, college, and you looked everybody up and down and that you just had to fake it for one night. Yep. You know, rent a BMW, rent some a wife and some kids, like do whatever, get a toupee, like lose some weight, whatever it took. 
just fake it for one night that you're this huge success. And then you could go back home living on your parents' couch and you know, doing whatever you were doing before. Now that same dynamic is taking place every single day with every single post. We're trying to all fake it that we're doing much better than we are. And so then that creates this dangerous comparison game where you could be feeling great. You could be feeling like, yeah, this was a good day. And then you're at the grocery store, you're waiting in line, you jump on your phone because that's what everybody does. Cause we can't yep. take a moment of just awkwardness without pulling our phone out. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you're looking at all the highlight reels of everybody else. They're the PR spins. I say, you know, everybody's putting their PR spins on their own life. We're all our own PR agents now. And, and then all of a sudden you're feeling depressed. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling. You're grabbing the, you know, the pound bag of M and M's, and you're you're cracking open the corner in line, and you're just down in it, um, because it feels like you know you're not successful. You're failing. You know, all these things. So that's where that compare. We've always compared ourselves, right? Generation after generation, we've always compared ourselves. But now we're doing it at such an instant, mm -hmm. and and then also this illusion, all the the filters. I mean, it's this filtered comparison that's taking place. Uh, and it is really, really dangerous. Yeah, it's crazy. It sounds like the social media is a band-aid. It's a band-aid to our soul. It's a band-aid to our life. It is, you know, it makes it look like we have it all together when we don't, you know what I mean? From, I was on Instagram and I was looking at all these filters and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I put a filter. I'm like, that doesn't even look like me. I'm like, are you kidding me? If they saw me walking down the street, they'd be like, that is not the same person, you know? Well, so and, and, and that to interrupt, you know, it, and some of the dangerous, I mean, you, you can take this to dangerous levels. I mean, the right. increase in anxiety, depression, suicide, yes. but even the extreme cases of people getting um, face work done for to sure. match their filtered images of what you just said, because they don't look like what they do online and they want to look like what they do online. So we're getting facelifts to match our filters. Yeah. And it's like, where, where does this stop? You know, where, where, and, and I think that goes into another OCD that I talk about is obsessive connection disorder. And, and it goes in with obsessive comparison disorder because we're all addicted to constantly being connected. Right. So again, it's every moment. We don't even realize we're doing it most of the time. And I know I've been this person and maybe you guys have met with these people. I'm sure the leaders are leading a lot of these kind of people too, where the person's on their phone all the time and they don't even really know they're on their phone. Right. They might be right there in front of you. And I don't think they even consciously realize it because we're all so addicted to being constantly connected. So you throw in constant connection, constant comparison, and it's just seven, eight, nine hours a day. I mean, put the filter on your phone that shows you and it's alarming, right? Mm -hmm. It always seems like it's wrong when I do it on my phone. I'm like, that must be off. This technology is broken. You know, I haven't been on my phone 10 hours today, but, but it, I mean, that is what is really changing and, and weighing in on this generation, I think more than anything. Right. And I always think of this. This is what I've said to Josiah. I'm like, when we're on a date or whatever, and he has his phone, I'm like, put your baby blanket away. Put your security blanket away. And that's what my fear is. We just had our first daughter. And I'm like, iPhones are the security blanket of the next generation or of the current generation. Yeah. And I'm like, like you said, we can't stand in line and talk to somebody behind us or in front of us because then all of a sudden we have an agenda and then we're comparing you know, stories with them, but we'd rather be on our phone. So we feel like we're connected to something. And like you said, that's a form of <clears throat> the OCD that you, <clears throat> excuse me, described in both those things. And yeah. like Josiah said, it's a dangerous slippery slope. And we work with a lot of 20 year olds and we see a lot of individuals who are insecure. 
you know, they may be living with mom and dad, they may not have their first job, they may be struggling in school, they may not look like the filter they want to look like, like all those different mm -hmm. things when it comes to comparison. But why are so many 20 year olds from this generation so insecure? And is there a difference from past generations? Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, I talk a lot about this in my new book, the you know, 25 lies, 20 somethings you stop believing, because that's what I'm basically breaking down is a lot of these lies of insecurity and fear and failure and kind of these mental mindset things and purpose and faith, um, because that is holding us back. You know, and, and a lie is not powerful in holding us back until we bought into it and we don't realize it's a lie. We think it's a truth. Right. So like, you know, things we've even touched on, I think this generation is struggling with failure because it doesn't look like anyone is failing. So when we fail, we call ourselves a failure and then we don't post for three months mm -hmm. because what do I have to post about? I don't wanna show people that. And so we really have that all wrong. And I know we talk about this a lot, but, but I've mentioned before that, that, that the possibility for greatness and embarrassment, they both exist in the same space. So you can't really do anything great if you're not willing to be embarrassed in the process. Right. So we as leaders or we as a generation need to be more willing to embarrass ourselves. And then also, again, take those deep breaths of, you know, it's fine if I haven't made it. And I think that's somewhere that insecurity comes from. We, we haven't made our, our dream life happen yet, whatever that expectation was. Mm -hmm. Again, that's normal. And I don't think we're ever supposed to make it because if you make it, where, where do you go from there? If you climb to the top of the mountain, you don't stay there for very long. You, you stay for a few minutes, you look at the view, then you go on to the next climb, right? Mm -hmm. We're never really supposed to make it. So if you feel like you haven't made it, that's good, that's healthy. That means you're learning, you're trying, you're persevering. Um, but I think a lot of those insecurities can come from, a, from many different factors, but I think that fear of embarrassment, that fear of failure and feeling like I, I haven't made it. So that's one of the lies I talk about. I literally, one of the lies is I haven't, I haven't made it, I've missed my chance. Right. And so I break down that lie and say, and, and tell them stories of people that thought the same thing. And now here, here they are now success stories. Right. Paul, that's so helpful for the listener to hear and for us to hear and be reminded that we're not a failure and to really reevaluate what is failure and mm -hmm. what is success. Right. And I think that one of the things when we talk about young people, or use the terms like millennials and Generation Z, I think it's helpful to just quickly define that and realize that we're living in a time span where there are six unique generations living today. And I pulled this up from Barna Group that elders are the first generation. They're currently born before 1946. So as 2021, we're recording this, they're 75 and above. Boomers were born between 1946 and 1964, their ages 57 to 75. Gen X was born 1965 to 1983, so they're ages 38 to 56. Millennials were born in 84, 1984 through 1998, which is currently ages 23 through 37. Mm -hmm. Generation Z was born 1999 through 2015, so they're really ages six through 22 and now the five and under mm -hmm. is being called by social scientists usually the alpha generation and so mm. i just really quickly wanted to touch on that and one of the things that's interesting is i think so many people say like oh those millennials 
Yeah. <laughs> really, millennials are not teenagers. They're not in high, middle school, high school, or college. We're like in our mid-30s already. <laughs> right. They're yeah. the 23 through 37, so they're quickly becoming the brunt of the working force. And so I think that that's just really important to talk about. And then I think secondly with that, one of Micah and I shared passions is purity within relationships. Wherever people find themselves, whether they're single, dating, engaged, married, wanting to be married. And what I want to ask you, Paul, is what's one piece of advice maybe that you'd give to somebody who's dating in their 20s in 2021 gosh well yeah and you're right about the generations piece to talk about it is i mean it is wild and and in my other life i talked to corporate leaders and church leaders too about how do you how do you deal with these dynamics when you have leaders that are in their 60s leading somebody who's 20. um and, and i think you're right too that the terms millennial uh becomes a stumbling point like what does that mean what, what do we it's such a all-encompassing stereotype now at this point that it really doesn't mean much. And so a lot of times it's just like, well, let's talk to each other as people. And so, um, you, as a, you as a leader, can you come and bring your questions of like what it was like to be in your 20s uh, and the questions you're asking right now and to bring that shared struggle because that really will help then the, the young adult uh, build some trust with you. Instead of you just giving them all the answers, you lead with some of your own questions and what you're going through. And, and so they can see the struggle themselves and, and again, feel like they're not alone. And my leader has questions too. And it's really a new dynamic of leadership. You know, that wasn't leadership 30 years ago. It was a leader has no faults or problems, but we've seen that transform. Right. So just to touch on that, and then to go to your relationship question to quickly just switch over. Um, you know, I write in the new book, the lies book, I, I, I talk about a lie of, um, that I think a lie is all you need is love. You know, it's a famous Beatles song, all you need mm -hmm. is love. And we kind of we kind of shout this anthem of love. Mm -hmm. So I say that's a lie. And and I break that down, you know, and I'm not against love, but I break down some of the other factors and the other important pieces that go like we use I love you as the barometer of relationship seriousness, right? Like right. that's been around for a long time. Like, are you gonna tell them the L word? Are you gonna tell them that you that you love them? Like if you watch The Bachelor, if you're if you're crazy enough to watch The Bachelor, my wife got me sucked into one season. I'll admit, you know, we watched one season, and it's just watching this train wreck happen over and over again. Mm -hmm. But the whole they're all leading up to telling each other that they love them, and like that means something. And he's saying it to five other girls, you know. And it's like, what what is this? What does this mean? So in the book, I break down some other things. Like instead of thinking, can I tell this person I love them? Can you tell this person I trust you? Like, I trust you with my life. Well, that has a different meaning. That has a different connotation. Like, like literally, you're in a bunker with this person. There's bullets flying over your head. Are you going to trust this person to stay there and watch your back? Because that's what it can feel like sometimes yeah. in marriage. Mm -hmm. um, or can, can you say, I respect you or I value you? So there's a lot of things I respect about who you are. I value about the ways that you live your life. You know, so there's some of those things where I basically try to break down um, love, you know, because I think there's a lot of people falling in love. Right. And then there's a lot of people falling out of love. And that's problematic. So we got to do a better job figuring out what does it mean to be in a serious relationship versus just saying, I love you. Right. Right. And we realize just even the word love, like you talk to anybody who's been married 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and 
they were like, well, we didn't just fall in love. Like you grow in love. And as time goes on, you begin to understand that person, understand yourself, understand how they function, understand your weaknesses, their weaknesses. And, you know, I love French fries. I love Josiah. It does not mean the same thing, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. We, we yeah. It's understanding those dynamics, understanding, yeah. you know, and you don't hear a lot of dating people say, you know, I will sacrifice for you. Right. Like I'll sacrifice some of my dreams for you, but we all know in marriage that happens. Yeah. You, right. It's a give and take. It's a, it's a tango dance of sacrifice. And some, and sometimes there's different people leaving at different times and, and you're sacrificing more in one season. But again, we don't talk about that part, right. and, but that is part of the, the, the growing of love and that connection of marriage that is so much deeper uh, than, than we realize. Right, absolutely. And we know that another point of contention that can be in a future marriage or maybe in a current relationship is the the process of money management and finances and huge. anything from debt to student loans, credit cards, mortgages. If you could just share briefly on that, what are your thoughts on those different I don't know, terms and decisions that yeah. people in their 20s, maybe early 30s make. Why is it so important that they understand the concept of money management, debt, student loans, credit cards, mortgages? Like, do you have any insight on that for the listener today? Yeah, I mean, in the in the dynamic of relationships, first of all, it's an important conversation to have because then it goes back down to values. Mm -hmm. So what are your what are your top five, I would say, soul values? And I would say this for an individual or in a relationship, like we need to write those down and you write down number one, like this is the number one value, number two, number three. Cause I think if you start there, then you have a base point for now where I can make my decisions for. So if you have a value for, well, I want to start my own business someday. Like that's a key value. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be creative. That is a value. Mm -hmm. Well, then that factors into your money decisions. Yeah. So if that's going to be a key value of yours, well, then you're going to have to make some sacrifices as you build it. You, you, you got to build it so that they can come. Well, if you're going to build it, you're going to have to spend some money building it. Well, then that might mean that you don't go take that trip that you wanted to take at a 25, or you don't go buy that new car. Maybe right. you're rocking Craigslist looking for that good used car. Like I've been doing the last few days, yep. you know, or like I did, I've, I've driven the same 93 Honda Civic hatchback for the last 20 years with 250,000 miles on it. That I'm finally getting rid of today. Like this is this is a 20 year moment for me because it's just finally time. You think you? But can like pass? that was. I don't. I. It's gonna be. I'm gonna have some tears. I'm gonna take some pictures. It's good. Um, but you know, I. But that was kind of one of those things for me. Like I don't need a new car. Like I, I'm an author. I, I don't need to impress anybody. I'm not taking them out on real estate deals. Like if you need a nice car for your business, I get it. I didn't. So it was one thing that I was willing to sacrifice. Right. So I think that's, I think we got to start leaving lower, start with our motivation, with our values. And so that we know, okay, I'm making this sacrifice for a reason. Mm -hmm. And then even in relationship, can you do that together? Um, so that you understand, because if one person values security and one person values risk, well, that's going to funnel down into some money issues as well. So you got to talk through that and figure out a plan or there's going to be some, you know, some rocky waves as you navigate those two values that aren't bad. They're just conflicting or can be. Yes. Oh my gosh. I think that, you know, I think it was our financial advisor 
said like when we first got married, we met with him and he said, Hey, you know what? You guys are in a good position. But one of the things I'd really encourage you to think about is the idea that you're going to start having competing values. You called it conflicting values. Uh, yeah. And what it looks like is, well, you want to start a family and you want to launch maybe a nonprofit ministry buy a house and you want to, like you said, keep your car up to date or travel. Just, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> all of, all of a sudden, our limited resources really dictate the idea that we need to make tough decisions and prioritize our values right. of really what's most important if we want to live our lives for the things that matter most. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that we love to do is just get to know our guests better, get to know what they value. Mm -hmm. And it's been such a fun conversation already, Paul, but we want to take it one step deeper if you're willing. Uh, of course. Let's go. Okay. So what we like to do is something called the final thoughts, five questions in five minutes. And for the first two questions, they're totally random. Micah actually has a stack of randomly generated questions. So we don't know <laughs> which one we're going to pick. You don't know which one we're going to pick. And our listener, this keeps everyone on our toes. Yeah. And um, Are you okay with that, Paul? I'm great. Let's do it. All right. Question number one, should I kick it off? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Paul, what is the longest unmet goal in your life? And what are you willing to start doing today to reach that unmet goal? Oh, gosh, unmet goal that I have not met. You know, I just, for me, it's just continuation and on, ongoing goals, you yeah. know, to where I'm not feeling like I have to have this set timeline where I have to reach this goal at set time. And if I don't, I'm a failure again. And I, I think timelines can be great and I'm all for goals, but I give myself hopefully some space to breathe in that. And so it's just a continuation. Like my, my lifelong goal was to get a book published. Like that was my goal for a long time. And it took me a long time. If anybody knows the story, it took me 10 years of rejection and failure and publishers, publishers turning me down and the whole story. So when I finally got that first book, book published, it felt like, man, I, I've reached that goal. Now I'm on to book number four. But it's still the same goal because the goal is to bring people a lot of truth, hope, hilarity, and really reach people and hopefully save their lives. So that is my ongoing goal that I want to be that person that's on the ledge with that other person so and good. saying, hold on, hold on. You're fine. You're okay. Let's take a step back. Let's talk. And I'm hopefully doing it through my book. So it's an ongoing goal that I don't ever want to stop. And I want to keep reaching people uh, around the world uh, with that message. Well, I love that you went there for a second because I think some of the stats and, and your story, um, you look at your website and you think, okay, 190 countries have visited this blog, millions upon millions of views. And so we see maybe what we would call quote unquote success in your blog, in your books, in the fact that you are published. But the reality is you have a behind the scenes, you have stories on your journey, you have some scars to show about it, you have really a struggle. And so I love that you went there for a second with just transparency, mm -hmm. vulnerability, honesty. And um, the second question, if I can follow that up, Ooh. is just for the person who is blogging, Mike and I love to blog, mm -hmm. for the person yeah. who is trying to cut their teeth as a young author, what maybe piece of advice would you be willing to give them from your story of just 
How can they be encouraged yeah. in this current moment, not be discouraged by rejection or lack thereof of opportunity, but really own the moment and keep grinding, keep going? Sure. Yeah. I mean, gosh. And if you've ever read one of my books, like this, this is looped into all my books, you know, because I just try to be as open and honest and authentic about what it took and, and how rocky it was and how many winding turns. And it wasn't straightforward. You know, and again, I think that becomes a lie. You know, again, it's it's not straightforward. Um, but I love talking to bloggers, authors. I mean, that's my jam because that's how I grew my thing. Because I got rejected by every publisher that then told me, hey, go build an audience. So that's what I did. I started blogging. I started doing that. And for anybody that is in that space, whether you're starting a podcast, a blog, a YouTube series, whatever, and you have hopes of writing a book someday, you are in a sweet spot. You're in the best spot. Because I'm always telling authors, don't start by writing your book start with a blog, a podcast, a YouTube series. Like you can be working on your book as well, but, but what you're doing is you're working on your content, you're working on your message and you're putting it out there and you're getting feedback. You're seeing what resonates. You're basically market testing in a way to put it in business sense, your ideas. And that's such a valuable experience. So even if you're not getting a ton of traffic, uh, you can't get anybody, your mom to read your blog, you know, and she's, and she's leaving, you know, lengthy comments, which you're like, mom, please just don't, you can read it. Just don't leave a long comment. I've been there, you know, um, you know, that's part of the process. Again, that's part of the process. So just know, again, that's most people's story. And the old adage that it takes about 10 years to create an overnight success. Wow. Maybe that can be discouraging for you to hear that. Or maybe it can be encouraging for you to know that you're you're on your way. Right. And for me, it did take about 10 years of the grind, of hustling, of unreturned emails before finally I got a book published. Uh, and then it wasn't like I was in an overnight success, but it was just like that first big open door for me. Um, so you just got to keep at it. You got to keep the faith, keep the hope, and you're working at your craft and you're becoming better at it. And that's the most important thing so that you can pull all that into your book someday. You can pull all that into your keynote talk someday. Um, that's going to be your material that you're learning uh, as you as you as you progress through it. Wow, that's so good. All right, Paul. Here's a curveball for you. If you could ask Zaya yeah. and myself one thing, what would you ask us? Anything? Um, what you guys are working close and close together, hand in hand. I know my wife and I do that as well. She edits all my books. Wow. Uh, what do you guys see as a, as a pro and a con? Like what's a big positive? What's a struggle that you guys work through as you do that? Yeah. Happy to answer that. I think the beauty of it is what you touched on at the beginning of the interview. I'm never alone. We have a friend in Jesus and we have a, we mm -hmm. in each other. It's not up to me. Mm -hmm. It's up to the Lord. And then Micah gets to be by my side and really I get to be by her side. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think that beauty of the word we is so powerful mm -hmm. and then the other thing that's super positive is like we get to not only be best friends but make a difference and follow our calling chase after the lord together mm -hmm. you know invest in a generation i love it i think the yeah. only con that i've found is i am incredibly driven and i know that about myself and at mm -hmm. times it's hard for me to turn the achiever off turn the dryer yeah. off. And so I've had to find, and really, again, this is something she's helped me with. I have to put down the phone. I have to shut it off. And that yeah. is difficult, especially in a quarantine season of working right. from home. 
yeah. when am I home and when am I at work? Those lines are gray at times. When the space is yeah. the same place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. having those honest conversations is huge. But man, I wouldn't have it any other way. This is the dream. We love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I definitely echo what Josiah said. The pro is definitely doing life together and knowing that we're each other's biggest fans. I think the con in that is sometimes to realize that I'm in my lane at times and he's in his lane. We don't always need to be in the same lane together. So he yeah. has dreams. I have dreams and I can't make my dreams his and his mine because there's still a he, a she, and a we. So sometimes it's like, when do I go off on my own and when do I include him and vice versa? And to do that tastefully and lovingly and with kindness is sometimes like, I can do this. Like, I'm not incompetent. Like, <laughs> I can do this by myself. I know how to do it, you know? So I think cons can be working so close is um, just not losing yourself in the we. Cause there's still a he, mm-hmm. she, and then there's obviously the we. So I think yeah. that's always a tension. You've got to know your calling, know your place, know your space and just respond to that and include them in that yeah. process. So, yeah. That's awesome. Seems <laughs> like you guys are doing a good job. We're trying. We have a lot of fun yeah. together. <laughs> seems like you guys are doing it. Oh, thanks Paul. So back to you, the fourth question on this five and five is, would you be willing to share maybe a mistake? that you've made and what God has taught you through that process? Well, I mean, it kind of goes back to an earlier answer, but uh, it's a practical mistake is that uh, I made the mistake of just in in my career, I made a mistake of writing a whole book and trying to get an agent, trying to get to publishers and just feeling like, well, if a publisher reads this, like they'll know how impactful it is. So they'll take a chance on an unknown person like me. So I, I spent many years of, of hardship that I maybe didn't need to wow. because it's just really rare these days, especially if you're going to go in for a nonfiction, if you're writing more of this inspirational self-help, Christianity, religion books, um, you got to show the publisher that it's working. You got to prove it to them before an agent will look at you, before a publisher will look at you, before you could self-publish that book uh, and just bypass the whole thing. So that was a, it's a real practical mistake that I made that I tried to go for the big end goal, New York, New York Times bestselling book, because really what in, in reality, I didn't want to go through all the hard, grimy, difficult steps of building something from scratch, grassroots. I just wanted to bypass all that. Right. When God was like, no, you got to go through all those steps because right now, if you got a bestselling book at 25, Paul, like you would be a terrible person more than you already are. Like it would crush you. Wow. So I'm not going to allow that to happen. I'm going to save your life. Because you need to learn a lot of lessons Mm -hmm. during the climb. Um, So that's one mistake. So again, that goes back to the advice that I gave earlier, but it was a mistake I made that I learned a lot. And I had to fail a lot through that. Um, But again, that became the content that I would then write about. So that became the fuel. Yes. Learning opportunities while gaining grit. That's good. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's that's your 20s in a nutshell. That's totally true. Truly is. All right, Paul, just last and final question. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing today, if we were to hand you the microphone, what would you leave them with today? Yeah. um, You know, and it's something they already know and it's something they're doing, but I'll just uh, confirm that, that um, we don't connect over our pretend perfection. We connect over our shared struggle. Wow. And so as a leader, like, don't be afraid to lead with your struggle. 
Don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to wrestle with things. Like you don't have to be perfect. Um, and if you're trying to be like, it's going to ruin you and you're going to have complete burnout. So you at least got to have a team of people that you can really talk to, but also be, be willing to talk about your struggle, what you're going through, the questions you're asking, what you're wrestling with. Because again, that will gain so much trust and connection uh, with the people that are following you because they'll be like, oh, this person's real. Mm -hmm. They're legit. They're authentic. And as a generation, we are desperate for authentic people because there just seems to be so few and far between of those. Um, so, so be okay with that, you know, because this generation's again, their, their, their BS radar basically is really fine tuned. Like they can spot that really fast. Right. Right. So if you're not willing to be open and honest, you're really not going to have a very effective uh, ministry and an effective time leading this generation. Right. That is such a great reminder, Paul. And we just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the Young Adults Today podcast, for spending time with Micah and I and our listener today. Thank you for having me on. It was an honor. I hope you guys have a blessed day and the, the listeners have a blessed day as well. Amen. Amazing. And guys, you can find out more about Paul Angoni and his latest book, 25 Lies, 20-somethings need to stop believing essentially how to get unstuck and own your mm -hmm. defining decade. The reality is each of you is making such a difference mm -hmm. and the work that you're doing is so important. And again, you can find out more about Paul and his journey, as well as the message of young adults today. When you visit us mm -hmm. on our website at www.youngadults.today, as well as stop by the show notes and our social media, which is across all platforms at Young Adults Start Today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Micah. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now, yeah.